listening to episode 61 of Desi Geek Girls. I'm Swapna Krishna. And I'm Preeti Chibber, and we are recording on Monday, August 30th, 2021. Woo! Sliding in right under that wire for that August episode! <laughs> Listen. <laughs> hey, if we're getting it done, that's, you know, better than I expected. We are getting it done. And it's it's going to be a really great, great episode. We are going to be talking about The Green Knight a little later on, as you mm-hmm. all know that we are so excited so and excited. have been so excited um about and so that's coming along with a very special guest who is yes. going to uh explain and contextualize a lot of things for us yes contextualize um, a lot of things for us <laughs> because you know it's been a while since we've read the poem and also we are not arthurian scholars so we're really excited to have one um <laughs> to talk about green knight with us but that's a little later on first we're going to talk about the thing that preeti has been texting me about for like a week straight okay so guess what came out <laughs> guess what came out last week because it was the spider-man no way home trailer okay can we talk about the trailer first just the trailer in and of itself because wasn't there like a leak or something yes there was a leak of like they i think they the leak i I saw a screenshot of the leak and it looked like such poor quality i didn't even bother watching it it was like somebody who worked at disney's uh like a copy of the trailer because you know they put your name on the trailer but it was a cell phone footage of like that playing on either another cell phone or like something like that it was very it was like one of the worst leaks I've ever seen I was like I would just wait and I did just wait like I don't know the story behind it I'm just like someone got fired over that though because I just Disney like no they're not yeah they're not not kidding um and so then not just like it was like two days later they dropped the actual trailer uh, at night. It was like, yeah, it was like 9.30 p.m. or something or 9 p.m. Because I was already in bed and I was like so ready to like go to sleep. And then the trailer dropped and I was so excited I couldn't sleep for like three hours. I was going to be like, how late did you stay up? So late. Too okay, so late. let's talk about it. No Way Home. <sighs> no Way Home. So we have, of course, the home trilogy for the Spider-Man. Yes. <laughs> Marvel, like MCU. Making it version. very clear that making Disney making clear that the MCU is Spider-Man's home. Yep. Um, or making it clear, like, depending upon how this trailer goes, opening the door for our Peter Parker, MCU Peter Parker, to make it his way over to the Sony verse of Spider-Man. Um, with No Way Home <laughs> being the title, which is like, yikes. Um, so let's talk about this trailer. Can we talk about, I know you have mixed feelings about Peter always having to have some sort of uh, mentor. mentor figure. And there is a lot of Doctor Strange in this trailer, but Doctor Strange, that like coat, I laugh. Oh, it's great. So hard. The cape over the puppy yes. coat and yes. the, the like. Uh, this is a Doctor Strange I can get behind. Agreed. Like I've been waiting for kind of the comics Doctor Strange to pop up in that like co- Stephen Strange is a disaster. Like, he's not he, – I feel like in the movies he's had to parallel Tony Stark in a really frustrating way. He's always defined by the other Avengers yeah. around him. And so it's kind of exciting to see him finally exist outside of that construct. Although there is talk that it's not actually Doctor Strange. Hmm, interesting. Tell me more about this talk. Like, it could be a scroll, which I would mm-hmm. be okay with, honestly. Mm-hmm. It could be a variant – Mm-hmm. based on what's going on with Loki. Loki. It could be Mephisto. 
(laughs) So people are, because he is very different in, from what we've come to see as Doctor Strange in MCU, you know, this idea that he would help Peter out. That was surprising to me. Yes, that was surprising to me. Um, but okay, so the trailer picks up kind of exactly where the last movie ended with Peter being unmasked and by J. Jonah Jameson slash Mysterio's like last ditch effort to like screw over Peter Parker. Uh, and so everyone in New York knows who he is. There are very strong reactions to this where they're pretty pissed off at him. <laughs> right? Yes. Um, he's dating MJ. It's very cute. Uh, it has impacted the people in his life because they're being called into question from like the authorities of like, mm-hmm. what's with all these drones? Like, why did you murder Mysterio, etc.? Which we know he didn't, but Tony Stark left zillions of dollars of technology yep. to a child. Yep. <laughs> so here we are. Um, so everything's going wrong, and it's kind of clearly influenced. By One More Day, yeah. which is a very famous, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a comic. It's a comic, uh, like an art <laughs> that is very. It's very famous and also very shitty. It's not. It's frustrating because there was a clear intent behind it. So basically, yeah. it it yeah. it happens as a result of the two thousand eight. Uh, 2007 um marvel comics event civil war after peter tony convinces peter he should unmask for the good of this like superhero registration bullshit and as a direct result of that aunt may gets shot (laughs) and is in the hospital and there's nothing they can do for her and it there is a direct line from peter unmasking to that happening because it was a bullet meant for him from an assassin hired by the kingpin so what Peter does is first he tries to go to Doctor Strange is like, is there any way to get out of this? And Doctor Strange is like, no, like there you can't go back in time. There's no like sometimes people die is basically Doctor Strange, like Doctor Strange's perspective. And so Peter has to come to terms with this and he almost does. And then he gets a visit from Mephisto through the guise of all of this, like lives he would have lived, etc. And Mephisto's like, listen, all I want is your your marriage to Mary Jane. I want that happiness. I want that love. It'll be like it never happened because there were editors at Marvel Comics at the time who were like, that makes Peter Parker boring, keeping him married to MJ. And that pissed a lot of readers off because they retconned 20 years of storytelling in that moment. And so clearly the important part there is that Peter has been unmasked and he kind of wants to put the cat back in the bag. And whereas Doctor Strange in the comics said no, Doctor Strange in the movie is like, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm so, in. What's the, yeah, so I do wonder, because like I was surprised when I was watching the movie, the trailer, I was like, this doesn't seem like something Doctor Strange would agree to. So there is that question. Um, there is that but, question. So let's talk about the uh, Hello Peter heard around the world. <sighs> yeah, so. Uh, there have been a lot of rumors about this movie. We've talked about them so quite a bit rumors. on this podcast. Of people coming back, of all these things. And so in the trailer, Doctor Strange starts trying to do this spell, which Wong is very clearly like, don't do it. And Strange is like, yeah, okay, whatever you say, Dad. And so they do it, but Peter starts very earnestly being like, wait, can't MJ remember? And can't, can't, 
Ned remember? Can't Aunt May remember? And he's kind of breaking Strange's concentration, and then he breaks the multiverse because, of course, Peter Parker would break the multiverse by caring too much about his friends. Yep. Uh, and what that means is we get this shot of, like, the iconic pumpkin from the Raimi Spider-Man. We get Electro, presumably Jamie Foxx, from um, The Amazing Spider-Man. And then we get the shot of Doc Ock's tentacle uh, in this explosion on a bridge. Peter jumps onto a roof. He's wearing a suit and tie, which I want to bring up in a second. Uh, cut to Alfred Molina as Doc Ock saying, hello, Peter. Who is who is the villain of Spider-Man to the... The Raimi. Raimi, yeah. So good. Like, I think arguably Spider-Man 2 is one of the best Spider-Man movies. Yeah, I agree. Um, and so there's a lot of excitement around this. I brought up the suit Peter is wearing. If you haven't looked at Preeti's Twitter, just don't. It's a lot of screenshots of suits. Because <laughs> here's the thing. It's the same suit that Peter Parker Toby Maguire, Peter Parker is we- like same suit. Okay, like, so like I was just like ah, Preeti's being Preeti, but then I like lo- actually looked at the pictures that you. They, it's like the suit is very distinctive, is the thing. Like the, yes. the the fabric of it, like yes. the weave. It's very. It's actually very distinctive. And no, you're right. That is the right? same suit. It's like a wool suit. It's not like a regular yeah. suit jacket. It's yeah. like a wool gray suit. I think with like a blue tie and a light yeah. blue, a light blue t shirt. Mm-hmm. It is or very not distinctive. Um, Collar shirt. So there are two kind of avenues through which I'm kind of thinking about this. One is that Marvel, we know Marvel lies to us in trailers, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Like they put the Hulk in Endgame, I think, or Infinity War where he was never there. They like, they do these things to like make us think something has happened when it's not. So some people think it's a deep fake. They think that that's actually Tobey Maguire standing on the top of that car Mm -hmm. seeing Doc Ock and not Tom Holland. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that hasn't been confirmed, right? Whether Toby and Andrew are coming back. I don't think that's been confirmed. I think it's going to happen. I think the rumors have been such. Um, I think we're definitely going to see them. So, like, I don't know. Maybe it's going to be a young, like, CGI de-aged Toby Maguire as the Peter Parker we knew from 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm kind of, I would be a little bummed about because I kind of want him to be our old man Pete. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, he's still doing it and is like late 30s early 40s <laughs> you yeah. know like uh um the other thing that i think might be happening because there's a shot in the trailer where strange pushes peter's astral uh form out of his body which we saw happen to the hulk in endgame but from tilda swinton's uh mm-hmm. ancient one character right and so is peter hopping in and out of different universe like bodies of spider-man in different universes and so he looks like Peter, but he's actually he looks like Tom Holland, but he's actually the Tobey Maguire Spider Man. Like I don't, I don't know, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe, yeah. It's gonna be interesting. There's so many yeah. avenues that this can take. I'm so excited. I do hope it's the former only because I want to see these Spider Men interact. Yes, I and agree. I want to see the actors. Like I want to see Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield and like and and you know Tom Holland interact so I know right and I feel like Andrew Garfield like Amazing Spider-Man gets a lot of flack rightfully so like they are rough movies one thing that is good though is Andrew Garfield in the spider suit Mm -hmm. he is so fun and good as Spider-Man yeah that I would love to see him being Spider-Man which is a very different Spider-Man to Toby's Spider-Man to Tom Holland's Spider-Man 
like you said, like interacting with each other, like kind of building, like <laughs> that's, he's just going to be, they're all disasters, but in different ways. And yeah. I want to see them be disasters together. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. Um, it's going to be interesting. Like, is it, when does it come out? Christmas? December 17th. December 17th. Um, oh, please go get vaccinated so I can see it in the theater. I know. I know. Because <laughs> I want to see it. Yeah. Because like Shang-Chi is coming out this week. Next yeah, week. it's coming out September 3rd, I think. So next this week. Friday. So this Friday. Oh. Today's the 30th. Time. Yeah. Time. Yeah. What is time? But we will uh, not be yeah. seeing it in theater, sadly. But uh, I might try to see it at the drive-in is what I'm Oh, thinking. that would be nice. Try to see it at a drive-in theater um, because I want to – I would really like to support this movie, mm-hmm. and I'm really, I'm what I'm, was probably going to end up happening is I'm just going to buy tickets and not go. Yeah, because I want to support the movie, but I can't. You know, How? I'm not it's going so to the hard. theater. It's so hard. Yeah. Um, but I guess more to come on Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, and I'm I think so Shang, Sh- is it Shang Chi? Shang Chi, Shang Chi, right? Um, mm-hmm. the uh, it's I think it's gonna come out like in a few weeks on streaming, so that'll probably be maybe our October discussion. Yeah, I think yeah, they yeah, said yeah. like thirty days or something. So. Yeah, it's something like that. Something like it's really days. short. And then the Eternals is a, like November. I don't know why I'm like like taking a deep breath and shaking my head. It doesn't. It actually it looks very. It looks interesting. It looks, it looks good. It's just I don't know. I think. That movie has been like mythological at this I point know. because it's been pushed so much. Like I'm like, eh, I'll see it when I believe it. I'll, no, I'll, I'll you're believe right. when I see it. It's true. It's true. Uh, yeah, but definitely more to come from. Yeah. We'll be talking a lot about Marvel and I think Star Wars because yeah. Book of Boba Fett's coming in a couple months. And Ooh, we got lots you know, of good stuff. There's coming a lot of fall. good stuff coming. Um, and speaking of other good stuff, Star Trek Lower Decks is back. Yeah, um, it is. You've watched the first episode. I have. I think we're we've seen three episodes so far like three episodes have aired i've seen the first five um i'll all i'll say is this season largely skips the unevenness of last season the first four episodes of or so of uh, it took it took the show about four episodes to kind of find its footing i feel mm-hmm. like in the first season it was yeah. good but it wasn't like it got really great at the end and now i think i think it starts off with a bang so funny so good so funny so if you haven't watched it, um, I recommend it. I don't think we're going to, there's not really a lot to talk about. So we're not going to do like any in-depth coverage, but uh, yeah, I think we're kicking off like honestly a full year of Star Trek because Prodigy's coming soon. Um, and Picard's coming back, right? Picard's coming back. They've said, I think they've said Discovery season three before or season four before the end of the year. I think they've mm-hmm. said Picard's coming back this year. Prodigy. Uh, actually, I don't know if they said Picard's coming back this year, but I think they have. Prodigy's supposed to be this year, so I think we're just going to get new Star Trek for the next, literally the next year. All right, so I need from you the list of Q episodes. Okay, we're going to do this. Maybe this <laughs> next month. Maybe we'll do it. Um, yeah, in September, maybe we'll do our Q episode. If we don't have anything else. Uh, yeah, because we're, we're going to, <laughs> we'll limit it to like maybe like three or four, because um, we don't want to watch it. We can watch all of them if you're into it, but if not, um, I am going to actually do a next-gen rewatch, I think. I'd finally decided. Mm-hmm. So that, uh, yeah, it'll be good timing. Uh, so, yeah, that's coming up. And now I think we can get to kind of uh, the meat of this episode. Just the so, Green Knight. The Green Knight. So today we're going to be talking about The Green Knight. We are very excited about this movie, and we have a special guest. <laughs> Go ahead and introduce yeah. yourself. Uh, my name is Kavita Madame Finn. I am an academic specializing in medieval and early modern literature. 
And uh, I have taught Sir Gowan and the Green Knight, which is the poem that uh, the Green Knight is based on a bunch of times. Um, I have also written um, a bunch of academic work on Arthuriana, the Arthurian legend in general. And I have been a fan of it since I was about five years old. So it's been a very long time. Yes, I'm really excited to have, you know, an actual King Arthur scholar here and not just yeah. Preeti and me. <laughs> not that we don't, you know, we aren't very enthusiastic, but it's really nice to have somebody with the academic background. Um, how did you get into King Arthur? Just what was your what was your entry? Oh, wow. It was Lerner and Lowe's Camelot. I okay. was five years old and I, th- I don't know if my dad was just watching it or if he actually showed it to me on purpose. Um, either way. Uh, I watched it and I was completely hooked. Immediately afterward, I started looking for kind of Arthurian books at the library, that kind of thing. Um, I read Rosemary Sutcliffe. I read Mary Stewart. I read all of those things growing up, Um, everything that was available. um, I remember Marion Zimmer Bradley's Mists of Avalon showing up, like discovering it when I was in maybe middle school or high school. Um, And honestly, it was one of... I'm. Everybody I knew loved it when I was growing up, but I remember having this really kind of, I don't know about this relationship with it, Um, partly because I have been a Guinevere fangirl ever since the beginning, and she is awful to Guinevere, and I just, much as I loved a lot of what she did with Morgan Le Fay and all of those characters... I could not forgive her for what she did to, to Guinevere. And then growing up and discovering that she was actually a terrible person was. Yes. Ugh. You feel a little bit vindicated, like, oh, okay, well. <laughs> um, okay, so Preeti, want to take us through? Yes. <laughs> Would you like to take us through the movie? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like we've been waiting to talk about this movie for so long. 2020 was supposed to be the year of like Dave Patel, May 2020, like Apollo Heritage Month. We were supposed to get these movies. Mm-hmm. So I'm like very excited that we were finally able to see it. Um, I think like, and, and Swapna, you can speak to this as well. Like my relationship to specifically Sir Gowan is like, the, as the poem is like, I read it in high school, like kind of remember it, you know? I was yeah. mostly like, I like the 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 trailer was so haunting for this movie and so exciting to see Dave Patel in that title role. I think that was kind of what spurred the the excitement of it for me more so than the source material, which I have a very like vague connection to. Um, so I am very excited that you're here, Kavitha, to like yeah. talk to us about it. The source um, material a little bit, yeah. <laughs> so do you want to talk a little bit about like what your connection was to the specific aspect of Arthurian lore? Uh, basically um, very similar I read the poem I don't know probably high school for fun not because it was assigned work um so even then like I feel like that's important because if you read it if you read it as assigned work you have some way to to talk about and like engage with the text versus if you just read it for fun I know you're right. It just made me laugh because I think it also tells us a lot about you. About me as a child in my bedroom yeah. by myself reading medieval like you, poems. You and Riker. Oh my god! <laughs> my first crush was William Riker. He was Aww. currently still st- 
still have a crush on both Will Riker as he is on <laughs> and you know through the franchise, but also on Jonathan Frakes because he's a yeah. very handsome man even to today. Um, but yes, me with my like Will Riker posters yep. reading <laughs> Sir Gowan and the Green Knight in my bedroom. This is tracks. Me. Well, yeah, it tracks. It really does. Um, so no, so, but similarly, so I don't actually have a very good background in this poem as a result because I didn't study it I didn't like I don't feel like I really it's not like I do many people <laughs> not like my friends were reading it for fun so um I'm really curious uh about Kavita over this discussion if you can just kind of like how does this reflect like how does this interpretation reflect what you know and what you teach about the poem yeah, like, oh. I guess while we're, because it, it opens, right, with uh, Dave Patel as Gowan, and he's kind of, you know, the minute it started, I was like, oh, he's a fuckboy. Like, oh. that's who he is, right? 100%. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Accurate? Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. The the entire poem, I actually remember posting this on Twitter way back when uh, the trailer first dropped. Um and I posted something about how Sir Gowan and the Green Knight, the thesis of that poem is Gowan is really hot and everybody thinks Gowan is really hot. And that is the source of all of his problems. He somehow manages <laughs> to make the fact that Gowan is really hot the source of all of his problems. Like that is that is the poem in a nutshell. Like everybody wants him and he does not know what to do about this. <laughs> absolutely incredible because i do feel that through line was very present yes so like he open it opens in a brothel Mm -hmm. and he is with uh the first character alicia vikander plays Mm -hmm. um elsa right essel i think essel essel yeah not elsa i want i kept wanting to call Uh, i know i have two disney-fied little kids so close uh essel and you know it's it's what it is he's like coming home hungover from a night out partying uh, and his mom, Sarita the Chowdhury, who is playing Morgan Le Fay, like kind of greets him and is like, you smell like I, I know what you have been up to. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, I do want to talk about Sarita the Chowdhury, who is kind of a mainstay yes. as uh, an, an actress for, from the South Asian diaspora. Um playing Morgan Le Fay, right? Yes. I feel and, like there's layers there. There's right? She's a kind lot of, going on there. She's kind of an amalgamation here, if I'm understanding correctly. She is. Yeah, in the poem, Morgan Le Fay does actually show up, um, but she shows up only at the very, very end. She's a deus ex machina character who just sort of shows up at the end and goes, I was behind it the whole time. <laughs> and that's it. And it's never it's never explained. We don't know why. Um, we do in the poem it's specified she's Gowan's aunt. Okay. okay. Um, and that's generally who she's supposed to be in most of the le- most of the kind of medieval iterations of the legend. She's Gowan's aunt. Um, Morgos is his mother. They're mm-hmm. both Arthur's half sisters. Yeah. Um, but sometimes they end up amalgamated into the same character, like Morgana in Excalibur. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's they're right. both. It's the same character. It's Morgos and Morgan kind of squashed together. Which is interesting because, it, again, in this, she is clearly the person who has kind of orchestrated the meeting and all of those things. But when you bring motherhood into it, I think it 
shifts the relationship and like you said like there's no reason for it and necessarily in the poem she's kind of there to be like ah it was me all along it's, a, it's like agatha all along right yes it was and so but adding that element of motherhood and adding that element of sarita and they have kind of being the sole people of color within the yes. uh monarchy and the the royal family i think is very interesting yes i think i was wondering if they were going to do something with that and they never they kind of hinted Mm -hmm. but never quite did it and like making it's it's a choice and i'm not gonna like i'm not gonna expand i'm just gonna say this i'm not gonna expand on it it's a choice making the only woman of color in the film a Mm -hmm. witch Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) like there's a lot there and i'm not necessarily (laughs) like wholly going in criticizing that decision because there's there's a lot but th- that that's a big decision it is <laughs> it it is a big decision and it it's one i think that like can warrant a, a more holistic conversation of like what it means to cast people of color and why the like action can't end at casting and and kind of has to be more well-rounded but that said She's amazing in the role. Yeah. Right? Like, like, kind of, like, foreboding, but still, like, she clearly cares about her family and their presence and the, like, narrative so much. Yeah. No, it's, it's she's very invested in this and very, and she just has this presence. She does. Like every she time she walks into a room on in this in this every time like she's just she has a presence and that's you know like her she's an amazing actress so it makes sense but um yeah I think I think her casting was I was I was very excited to see her because I didn't I'll be admit I didn't know she was in this movie I, didn't I don't know either. if I, yeah I was like was she in the trailer I don't remember but she, she was she it might have been just a couple of quick shots yeah. though like she she wasn't mm-hmm. featured in any pro- like it was I'm all also, about Dave Patel in the trailer. <laughs> And I also I'm, don't watch a lot of online. I'm I'm just not an online like I'm really bad at watching like trailers and online video. Preeti has to like text me like eight times to get me to watch things. So I it's also <laughs> possible like I just wasn't paying a lot of attention. I, it's funny because the trailer and and something that works really well in the film is visually like what like what it looks like and which, which the trailer did like nobody like you said nobody was really featured outside of Dave Patel in that trailer. It was just a lot. It made me think of um, Tarsim sings The Fall a lot Mm -hmm. because of how stark the the kind of palette was with these bright splotches and these like very Mm -hmm. iconic moments that were clearly there to like draw the eye in a very specific way, which this is probably like overanalyzing, but then you have this like soul sort of like dual people of color in this like very (laughs) beige palette. It is. No, I think it's, I think it is, I think it's deliberate. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh. yeah, I, it's, a, it's good. The color palette, like the, the color palette of the film, I have this sort of double-edged relationship with it, because on the one hand, I love what they were doing with it. I thought it worked really, really well. It was creepy. It was sinister. It was atmospheric, all of those things. And I loved sort of the composition of so many of the shots, especially the round table ones and the the kind of the shots inside the castles. Um, I wish there had been more bright colors. And that's mainly kind of me as a medievalist talking because Mm -hmm. 
the thing that modern popular adaptations of the medieval period keep getting wrong over and over and over again. They keep making everything so dark and drab and gray and boring. And the fact is that especially if you're looking at something like Arthur's Court, there would have been bright colors everywhere. Like there would have been banners and pennants and flags and clothing and like all of the food would have been brightly colored. All of their, everyone would have been wearing jewelry and giant headdresses and things like that. And I, I understand that they were going for a horror feel. I do. But all, all of my, like all of the medievalists who I have seen reacting to this film, like the, the through one of the through lines has been like, why is it so dark? Why did they make it like the last season of Game of Thrones? Why is it so dark? <laughs> Accurate. But talking about, because the next scene is kind of the, right am i i'm getting this right next yeah, time yeah, yeah. scene is the is the green knight scene uh talking about arthur's court i think the grayness did serve though to kind of emphasize that this is a realm that's a little bit in decay mm-hmm. right like i felt like this is not arthur at his prime this is not the round mm-hmm. table at its prime this is not like this is this is yeah like it was it was it's just it's in decay it feels like the ending mm-hmm. right and it's it, interesting it, because in the poem, it actually isn't. The poem has, uh, in the poem, Arthur is actually depicted as quite young. Um, and the whole conceit of the poem, we find out only at the end, but uh, the, the whole conceit of the poem ends up being Morgan Le Fay sends the Green Knight to the court to test Arthur. And it's not kind of a your realm is in decay and you're going down and you're and you're going downhill and I'm testing to make sure you're still that that you're still got it. It's more of a you're young, you're untried. Everyone in this court, you're all a bunch of babies. Um, let's see what you can do. It's it's kind of it's there's malice under it, but it's also kind of Morgan just teasing Arthur and playing a prank on him. Um, it's a very self-contained story. Um, so while it obviously fits into the large Arthurian legend and the assumption is definitely like, it's absolutely 100% a Christmas one shot. Like this is, uh, this is 14th century <laughs> Yuletide fic. If I have ever come across it, <laughs> someone decided to write a Christmas one shot where like the, I don't know, maybe the request was make Gowan sleep with several people without necessarily wanting to, or what, I don't know. Like <laughs> Gowan did not mean to get into this situation, but somehow he did. And also there's a green knight. Like, I don't know, but <laughs> it, um, but the poem very much has this kind of, young kids uh who don't really know what they're getting into and morgan decides to send this green knight to 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 shake everything up a bit um and also because she has this grudge against guinevere and there's a line towards the end where uh where supposedly she did this to scare guinevere to death which is not cool but also kind of funny when you think about it because guinevere's (laughs) response is this, I don't like this, but I'm not going to get involved. I'm just going to watch it happen. <laughs> I don't want to be included in this narrative. Yeah. So yeah. Guinevere says, no, I'm just going to watch this. I don't need to be involved in this. It, it is so funny that you say that the, the poem is so much about like the early days and, and making sure Arthur is the king that he should be, et cetera, because this does feel so much about legacy. Like it feel it, it's like, we're fast forwarding obviously a lot in terms of like the discussion because the ending is about both Gowan's like beginning and end. Right. And so to take, I feel like David Lowry who wrote and directed the movie Mm -hmm. has one, uh, 
a slightly more negative perspective on Gowan himself, which is mm-hmm. very interesting because he is so passive and like I was like yelling at the screen at points, right? Like so he <laughs> so he chooses what they're at this banquet setting and the green knight comes in who is beautifully rendered and it's such a cool scene. And he kind of like, you know, makes his point and Gowan is like, all right, okay, I'll yeah, I'll do it. And it's but it's not a it's not an heroic moment necessarily right it's it is really not not. it's not as like because in in the poem basically uh the green knight comes in and he says who will challenge me like he just lays an open challenge to the entire court right and first arthur actually jumps up and almost takes the challenge Mm -hmm. and it's gowan who steps in and says no you're the king i'm just your nephew i don't mean anything like no one cares about me let me do this and prove myself and so it's all about kind of gowan trying to prove himself before the entire court which we get a sense of that in the movie but i feel like Mm -hmm. there's there's this whole kind of the kind the the whole banquet scene at the opening the sense you get from the poem is that no one is taking it seriously until the green knight's head falls off and he picks it up and walks out of the room and everyone goes oh shit this this is this is not what we thought it was <laughs> like there yeah. there's a great mo like there there's this great moment afterward where everyone goes back to partying but gowan's kind of looking around and going uh-oh I might have bitten off a bit more than I could chew in this situation in this situation. Like I, I feel like we do get that in this mm-hmm. the the that sense of like Gowan is out of his depth, like almost immediately, yeah. right? Like yeah. when the Green Knight kind of like bows his head and I love that like hesitate like Gowan's like, I uh I mean, well I, I guess I'm gonna do it because I Shut said up. I was gonna do it. I think it's even before that. It's when Arthur hands him the sword. Yeah, he's just like, whoa, yes. yeah, because yeah. he's like, I don't know, I can't tell. Like, what? No, there's. I, I think it is really interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I totally did a double take when when Arthur yeah. handed him Excalibur. So I was like, oh, this has suddenly become a whole a lot bigger than I thought it was. Yeah, and I think the whole and everything you you know we've been saying is. Gowan is not necessarily a hero in this Mm-mm. scene or in this movie even. I think the he doesn't, I would argue like he doesn't really do anything heroic until that last scene, which we'll get yeah. to. That's the first heroic thing he does the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's very like, he's, he's very like mealy mound about things, right? Where <laughs> there's, uh, you know, he, he has to go. Like he can't not go. He spends the year leading up to when he has to go just kind of like, doing the same old shit like he doesn't yep. like if you were expecting a training montage you're not getting one right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so like as he heads off he has um his conversation with essel where she's clearly like so could we like be like legit though and he like, doesn't answer but he takes the bells because he does have some fondness for her i feel like the mm-hmm. film and and they've both like walk that line really well where he's not like a he's not a complete jerk right it's he he's clearly, passive he's he doesn't so want to commit passive. to anything he doesn't mm-hmm. want to do anything he's a baby he's just yeah he's he's a big old baby yes he's a t- he's he's like they're really leaning on the fact that he's just he's a kid and i mean mm-hmm. that that's how he is in the poem like he he's a kid and he doesn't know what he's doing and he's out of his depth 
And uh, one thing I absolutely loved, like I loved all the ceremonial that they did right before he left, because all of that's in the mm-hmm. poem. Like that bit, I oh, absolutely really? was convinced that um, uh, that David Lowry had definitely read this poem and he had this sort of, because all of that stuff about the five points and the five wounds and the five this, like there's an entire section of the poem. I have this like, I used to do this um, this handout that I would give to my students whenever I taught Sir Gowan and the Green Knight, and it had the chart on it, and it had the Middle English, and it had all of this stuff, because um, it was all about symbology, and it's all about kind of this um, this religious and mythological symbolism. So he's got this shield with a pentangle on one side and uh, the Virgin Mary on the other, um, and we see the side with the Virgin Mary in the movie, but we don't see the other one, mm-hmm. um, but it's all about like listen to your five senses, uh, pay attention to your five wits, um, all of these different things. And uh, this is all right as he's leaving. Um, so he's got his sword. He, they, they go into this long uh, description of how beautiful his horse was, how beautiful his armor was. Like he has this whole get up and they send him on his way from Camelot. And then we get nothing. Like there's a brief kind of bit in the poem where they say, oh, he had all of these adventures, but we're not going to talk about them. And we're going to instead jump directly to uh, the threesome at uh, Haute Um But the movie actually goes and expands out that yes. section, yeah. where, which I loved. I thought that was so cool um, that they went and they well, expanded out that section where it was just one verse of the poem where he's like, Gowan did all this stuff, but we're not going to talk about it. I yeah we I feel like we have to right in, in terms yeah. of like the structure of the film. Um, so I mean, you watched this movie a lot more recently than I did. Yes, I, I watched, I watched it, like, it. You watched it that opening night thing where they like yeah like, I watched oh opening like, night mm. one night only it's the only chance to see it except we're gonna release uh, it the next day. Yeah, they're so they're lucky it was so good. <laughs> um, but. So you can remind me, we do get the scene of um, Morgan Le Fay creating the magic belt here, right? Yes. Prior, that to, was prior to leaving. Mm-hmm. It was interesting yeah. that they had it come from her. Because um, there's that, because I feel like one of the things they were doing with the, with the belt was um, they actually were conflating it with a different belt that Morgan made in a different part of the Arthurian legend. Because there's this, there's the scabbard for Excalibur, which mm-hmm. is its own right. thing. And it works exactly the same way as the green belt and Gowan and the green knight, where as long as Arthur's wearing it, he can't be wounded. And there's this great bit in Mallory where, uh, in Thomas Mallory's La Morte d'Arthur, where Merlin is talking to Arthur and Arthur is 100% not paying attention to Merlin. Hmm. Um, he's saying, now, Arthur, here is Excalibur, which is great, but here is the scabbard for Excalibur. And if you're paying attention, you will know that the scabbard is even better than the sword. Arthur, predictably, is focused on the sword, does not care about the scabbard. This ends up biting him in the butt later on. Um, but in the movie, or in the poem uh, of A Gown and the Green Knight, we don't, we're not explicitly told that Morgan made the belt, right? No, no. The belt, suppose, the belt he only gets it from uh, Lady Bertilac. We don't, uh, okay. we don't get any no sense idea of where, where it, it came from. from. Yeah, we have no idea so, where it came from. This is another point at which where you have that motherhood coming into it, because obviously while she's orchestrated all these events, she's going to want a way to protect her son, right? And Mm -hmm. so you have kind of Morgan playing both sides a little bit, because they also in the movie don't give us necessarily her reasoning for doing this. They just say she did it, but also she's protecting him. So 
I don't know that it works in the film narratively because they're because the movie's so stylistic and so focused on Dave's performance and and how beautiful that is. Not giving this character a clear impetus for kicking yeah. everything off feels like it's it's a a weakness. I think it reminded me of The Witch. It really reminded me of The Witch. Um, the uh, David Lowry's uh, the one the, the movie he made twenty sixteen. Oh, the like the like yeah. horror movie. I, yes, the I horror don't movie, the watch witch. horror movies, so we yeah. did not see it. <laughs> okay, well. Uh, so in the witch, like the, the basic conceit of that movie is witches are real. They eat babies and they, they do exactly the things that you expect witches to do per like 17th century uh, witches manuals. And so like, it just lays that out at the start. You don't get any other explanations like witches are real. They do this end of story. And the rest of the movie is about how this one isolated Puritan family has to deal with the fact that they're being terrorized by a witch. Um, I, I, I get yeah. it, but I, I think I, I disagree on that because you mm-hmm. can, that's a world building point. Yes, that it is. In this world, witches exist. This is a plot point for a specific character <laughs> that I don't think works because yeah. you don't have a, a thing. Like, so I'm not, what do you think? I don't know. My, like, uh, my interpretation of her, her role in this was to get her son ready for kingship. Like, that was, my interpretation was that she knew that he was going to be the heir that this was coming and that he's not ready yet. And so this whole, like in my head, I have no like real, but like my thing was like, she's getting him ready and this is her way of testing him basically. That makes sense. Cause then pulls like poem. That's that, that was, that was my interpretation of it. Like this, like the belt is her way of testing him. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily about protecting him but ah. more because the belt is a test okay. at the end. Oh, it absolutely um, is a test. And seeing if he's ready and, and we'll get more into that because that last, the last like 10 minutes of this movie are like a little bit mind blowing. There yeah, is a lot wild. going on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we will get to that. <laughs> so, but so Arthur, or Arthur, go, like, oh, Arthur, uh, <laughs> Gowan goes on his he embarks on his quest mm-hmm. and gets the shit beat out of him by like some little kids immediately immediately like, immediately i was like bro like i get that you were clearly sheltered you were clearly like not prepared oh, for the script but no <laughs> you have a horse run like yeah. no one told you not to trust creepy strangers who like creepy dudes who are grave robbing like, like. he was literally every red flag in yeah, the world so was going good. off with every <laughs> sentence this guy said, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing so predictably? He like was <laughs> like, you idiot, Gowan, what 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 you doing, bro? Like what oh, are you doing? It was so funny. I was watching it with my husband and like my while that scene is going on, my husband's like, he's not listening to him, is he? Please tell me he's not gonna listen to him. Oh my god, you numpty, why are you listening to him? <laughs> I was like my secondhand embarrassment during that scene was yes. real because I was like, oh no, like, don't do it. Like my like eyes, my hands over my eyes, like nah. it, it really was like cr- like full body cringe. Yeah, like, when it's he like, gets oh yes. by those you're people. so dumb. Oh my god! And the I was like most upset about the horse, which yeah. I don't even like horses. But I was like, how dare you steal this horse and the axe? Obviously, and he loved but, that horse. Like you could tell, he and the horse were tight. He did 
He likes that horse more than anyone else in his life. Yes. Yeah. I'm yeah. glad he got the horse I, back yes. eventually. That that's good. Yes. <sighs> it does lead to that like great again like visual scene of him like yes. gagged and bound and like mm-hmm. seeing the skeleton in the same the same oh, form yeah. and and all that thing and then having to like kind of inch his way to his sword etc and his broken mm-hmm. shield but it was a very frustrating scene to watch yes. happen because you're like how are you making this decision yeah. how are you so dumb <laughs> i think like, it i think it we needed to see how dumb he was to, to right. appreciate the journey he goes on but it was like bro. pain right but it was painful like it was like i was like cringing like i will admit i did not like even like watch this whole scene because i was just like okay just knit just knit let's, <laughs> let's get to the next scene like because it was just it was hard like my secondhand embar- i also have really really bad secondhand embarrassment mm. and so like i was just like so embarrassed for him i was like you're a knight come on well i mean he says he's not a knight but like even still you're supposed to work towards those ideals yes. of knighthood yes. um mm-hmm. which he is not he's not great did you at. did you like practice a little bit like in no. your year you didn't like, study <laughs> did you not like have your i'll make a man out of you training montage no gowan's no. a himbo he's a himbo yeah. gowan is 100 percent a himbo <laughs> Um, but this did lead actually to that really cool scene with the giants, which was yes. super, yeah, so the- like, I was just like, what? And there's like, no, like real explanation. I thought that no, was really just cool. Yeah. It's that beautiful. That's, again, like in the poem, there's this one bit where, uh, where the poet just like, oh, and there were giants and he just went by them. Mm. They were just there doing their thing. Okay. So that, that yeah. is in the poem. It is. is the yep. fox, what is, so the fox shows up. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> the fox that was a very loaded mm-hmm. no the fox is not okay. the fox is lifted from so there is a character named Reynard the fox and it literally yes. means fox the fox wait because that's how medieval people name things uh, awesome. so Reynard the fox and he appear he is a recurring character who shows up in tons and tons of fables um, and he always shows up and he's, uh, he is exactly what you would expect. He's like, he's tricky. He will try and play jokes on you. He will cause problems in your life. Um, and sometimes he will help you if he wants to. Um, so in this case, Reynard is kind of showing up and giving Gowan a hand, but it's interesting. Like that just, he, Lowry just kind of popped that in from, uh, from unrelated medieval poems. Cause he was like a source of comfort in, yes. in this movie. Mm-hmm. It, like, made sure we understood as the audience that Gowan was not as alone as as he might feel. Like, I yeah. felt like those sequences of, of them building together, their, their like, friendship was really nice as it mm-hmm. led to that beautiful scene with the giants. Yes. Um, it did, I mean, like the poem, I'm sure it, this movie did feel like, and, and very deliberately so, with their, like, uh, text, mm-hmm. um introductions for each section of like just like (laughs) moments Uh, about the text introductions i meant to bring it up earlier at the beginning but i thought it was so interesting because it really does emphasize how this is a legend that has been or like a story that has been built on and like it like there's different Mm -hmm. versions of it and different like it really i feel like emphasized i i loved that little tidbit yeah i want to rewatch it for that reason like i want to rewatch it for just the paratexts because the way that it plays with uh, the way that it plays with image and text is so cool 
Um, they even flash to at least two different images from the original manuscript. There's only one surviving manuscript of this oh. poem. And it has two illustrations in it. One of them is the Green Knight at the opening in the, in the court. And the other one is Gowan and Lady Bertilac in, in the bed. And so it's got these two images. It's the only manuscript that we have, literally the only manuscript of this poem. And um, it is written in kind of a Northern Middle English dialect. They've dated it to kind of the middle or the mid to late 14th century is what people have generally agreed that it's uh, is its date. Um, but we don't know for certain and probably we're never going to know. Um, but I loved how there were two moments where they just flashed very, very briefly two images from those manuscripts. And I screeched when it happened. I was like, I bet you lost your shit. Everyone like, in the room. I was like, yeah. oh my God. Um, like, no, I really, I really love those transitions. Um, and then he, and then, okay. So next in the story, the, he gets to the castle, right? At yes, that point. No, no, no. He doesn't, yeah. he gets to the, um, the woman. The I, thought the, woman. Yeah, yes. I thought the yeah, I thought the Saint Winifred yes, thing the, was before this, before the giants, and not after it. Because I thought it was the scavengers. I think you're right. The giants, yeah. and then the Saint giants Winifred, came after yeah. the Saint Winifred. So we yeah. we fast forwarded a little bit, but so let's go backwards. <laughs> rewind, um, rewind. <laughs> so Saint Winifred, that was that's not that a great. poem. It was uh, cool. It was it really was cool. wonderful. I loved that bit. I thought it was so neat. I thought it actually, it was one of the instances where you actually showed Gowan growing as a person. Mm-hmm. Because And I thought the actress mm-hmm. did such a good job. She was so deadpan. Yeah, it's Erin uh, Kellyman, who we okay. know as both Enfys Nest and from um, oh, Falcon and the Winter from, Soldier. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, so Enfys Nest from Solo. She was the uh, the the bad person who wasn't actually oh. bad <laughs> the young yeah girl. i was carly, like she was carly. a carly carly and uh, i had totally Winter missed Soldier. that okay yeah i missed mm-hmm. that as well that, that is the same she's great. yeah and she's um, so good in this moment so gowan is like freezing needs shelter he ends up at this home um and he like falls into the bed of this like creepy house yep. and of course this like woman is like hey hey what are you doing hey how'd you get in here did my dad mm-hmm. send you and it's super creepy and like but i will say like i am not a person who likes horror films like I don't enjoy being scared I don't seek them out it's not something I I want to partake in mm-hmm. this was like the right level of scary like it this was creepy but not really yeah, exactly scary. and exactly. I liked that creepy, but not yeah. it was yeah it was tone it was like aesthetic but it was never like no this is a horror movie yeah. right like and to your point like this was a great moment for Gowan to like he asks right like what will I get Mm-hmm. if i do this for you and you're like well that's not that's not very yeah, nightly sir that's not cool <laughs> and i feel like the gown from the beginning of the movie would just been like i'm out yeah i'm not doing yep. it so i was actually kind of surprised when he dived in no it was great and then he picks up that horrifying skull yeah yes. which i was like <laughs> gross, gross 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 um because this uh winifred is like, yeah, you know, she has this, like, very sad story. And so he helps her, essentially, like, presumably, like, rest, finally. Yeah. From being this, like, ghost. And there's, again, a lot of wonderful imagery here and foreshadowing, obviously, of what is to come. <laughs> but it, it was a great, like, I guess, invented moment of growth for Gowan. Yes. Yes, it was. I thought it 
it provided a really nice transition between sort of the stuff that we saw with Essel at the beginning with the kind of hesitation that we see when he meets Lady Bertilak. Uh, that actually, I think, makes sense for the construct of the film because this is the version of Gowan who existed in that portion of the poem does not exist in our movie, right? Like, yeah. I understand in the poem, he is very good and diligent about making sure the two characters of the Lord and the Lady stay equal versus in the film, he's not quite there. He's not quite doing it, right? Um, which I know there has been some criticism there in terms of because people feel that that was a moment to allow like queerness to exist on screen. Yeah. And so we get a teeny tiny piece of that in what eventually ends up happening. But so he, he goes, you know, he, he's seen Winifred, he's seen the giants, he's Mm -hmm. gotten his ass kicked. And now he, Finds him, the the fox helps him and he finds himself at this this lord's castle where he yeah. needs to recover and he's very close to the green knight and it's Joel Edgerton and Alicia Vikander. Yeah, can I just can I just jump yeah. in here yeah. with the tidbit that Joel Edgerton played Gowan in the <laughs> terrible Clive Owen King <laughs> Arthur film from like did he two thousand oh and like two that I absolutely two thousand four that. Has a better cast than it has any right to, like Clive Owen, Kira Knightley, Ewan Gruffin, Joel Edgerton, Mads Mickelson, Mads Hugh, Mickelson Dancy. Hugh Dancy. Yeah, like it's a better, movie. such it's a bad the movie. The entire subgenre of Hanagram Arthurian AUs. It's Amazing. so bad. But anyway, he's come a full circle because now he's the Lord. Now and he's the I just had Lord. To, yes. He is quite good in this role, yes. I think. Like he, everyone in the movie is good. Uh, but he is very good in this role. And I think Alicia Vikander, I didn't, I actually don't love her as Essel, but I thought mm-hmm. in this as the lady, she has that incredible monologue that yeah. works so well in the construct of the entire film. Cause it's, it's both us, like as the audience being asked to critique what we're watching, which mm-hmm. is really nice. Um, I, I enjoyed this entire me too. Piece mm-hmm. of the movie, right? Even that that moment where she's like, I want to paint you, and we get the reflection yeah. through the pinhole, which like, <laughs> brought me back to Bajira Mastani. Because this happens in <laughs> <Yeah>. Bajira Mastani. <laughs> oh my God, but that scene is just incredible. <laughs> uh, but you're saying, so how, I guess there are specific things they are representing in the film and how not Gowan, but the Lord and the lady, how does it stack Mm -hmm. up against who they are in the poem? Well, uh, I mean, the big thing is that they are considerably less prominent in the film than in the poem. In the poem, like I said, there's an entire Mm -hmm. section that's just Gowan at the castle. Um, And the Lord is, there's a lot more going on. He, he and Gowan spend a lot more time together uh, the queerness is absolutely 100% there in the poem. Those two, mm-hmm. like, I mean, the Lord essentially just straight up propositions him. Right. Um, but the biggest change, the absolute biggest change, the Lord and the Green Knight are the, are same, the same, person. same person. Yep. But they changed that in the movie, and I don't know how I feel about that. Well, so there isn't in the in the movie, there is an edge to both the Lord of the Lady. There is something that 
something there's something unsettling right. and something not quite right about the way they both interact. And I guess that's mm-hmm. my question is like, does that specific aspect of their characterizations exist in the poem? Because like you were saying, the poem's like a vastly, I get sort of like more joyful experience than the film was. So there's does that unsettling something. piece work? Yes, yes, it does. Um, And we're supposed to kind of have the sense that something is up, but it's not quite clear what it is. Um, And what ends up being revealed is that Morgan is their guest. Morgan Mm. is staying at their castle and is just there hanging out the whole time. Um, And the old woman is supposed to be Morgan, right? Yep, the old woman is Morgan. And it's Morgan sort of in disguise as an old woman. Um, but the Lord is the one who reveals this at the very end when he shows up as the Green Knight. Um, and he basically tells Gowan, oh, Morgan planned all of this. Don't hold it against her. Come back to my castle and we'll all have a good time. Like that is literally what he says to Gowan. Um, and Gowan is very butthurt about all of this <laughs> and refuses him and, and, uh, and sort of sulks his way back to Camelot instead. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the end result is like what the the kind of unsettling aspect of the Lord and Lady is definitely there in that they're definitely keeping secrets from Gowan and something weird is going on and they're definitely there to test him. Um, but that's really about it. Like there's nothing more sinister, like they're not like cannibals or they're not trying to kind of do something terrible to him. They're just working with Morgan and testing him and mm. The Lord kind of presents it as, oh, it's just a Christmas joke. Why are you taking it so hard? But Gowan does take it hard. And we, as the readers of the poem, have to decide, like, do we think it's just a holiday joke? Or do we think that it's more serious for Gowan? Well, so what's interesting about what the movie does is this is a point of failure for Gowan, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is a very, yeah, very absolutely. specific point, like, of failure. point of failure where he, mm-hmm. you know, she his belt has been taken at this point so the mm-hmm. lady gives him a new belt but mm-hmm. obviously it comes at a, a very graphic cost that I was like okay we're watching this mm-hmm. um, and he she's like the minute it happens she's like you're no knight you're no hero like disgusted with him essentially and mm-hmm. I think that makes explicit what the movie is about which is is Gowan a hero can yep. he be a knight when his choices have led him here and show his weakness. Mm-hmm. But then to follow it up with that scene with Joel Edgerton as he's leaving, which is like a really beautiful scene. It was just very, mm-hmm. I actually don't quite know what to make of the pairing of those two moments back to back. Yeah, in uh, what's interesting is that um, they don't really go into this in the movie, but in the poem, uh, the there are three separate exchanges mm-hmm. between Lady Bertillac and Gowan. Um, in the first one, she tries to give him a pair of gloves and he refuses. In the second one, she tries to give him a ring and he refuses. In the third one, she offers her girdle, which is like, it's her belt. It's not even a belt that she made for him. It's her belt that's holding mm-hmm. her dress together. Um, and she tells him, this is the first time that we're getting this information. She tells him, anyone who wears this will be protected from all harm. And that's why he takes it from her. He doesn't take it because he's doing it as a nightly, because she's giving him this nightly gift. He doesn't take it because he actually wants, well, he wants her, but he also is is kind of cagey about it because he knows she's married to someone else. Um, so he's 
worried about taking it for honor's sake and also worried, of course, for the same reasons that he is in the film, where if he takes it, is that going to make him less of a man? Mm-hmm. Um, but he does it anyway because he's scared. Um, and ev- and as soon as he wears it, he's like, I don't know that I made the right choice. And he has the option to take it off and give it to Bertilak when Bertilak comes back from the hunt and asks, what did you get while, like, I will give you this deer or whatever it is that I, uh, that I caught. Mm-hmm. I think it, I can't remember if it's a deer or a boar, but it's, it's one of those. Um, and uh, he gives him whatever the, the animal that he caught. And he says, well, what did you get while you were away? Um, and the two prior times, Gowan has given him kisses. Mm-hmm. And this third time he gives him another kiss, but he does not give him the belt. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that's pretty much exactly the same thing that happens in the film, but it's part of this kind of one, two, three, uh, one, two, three punch kind of deal. Um, there's the poem is full of things that happen in threes. It, it's just funny because in the movie, it feels like these things were taken from him. The kiss was taken. That moment with uh, yeah. the lady was taken. They were not given, which yeah. I think is an important distinction, right? It, Huge, it comes yeah. back to this Gowan being so passive, like like Swapna, you were saying earlier, of like how yeah. he's not an action hero, and he mm-hmm. arguably makes two two real choices in the movie, like that he isn't pushed into one of them mm-hmm. is the skull which was invented and then one of them is the ending which we'll discuss yeah yeah um and i think i think we're i think this movie or up till up till this point it's kind of like showing us who gowan is and who flashes of who he could be mm-hmm. or who we want him to be like as a viewer yeah. you want him to be the heroic so like the um the scene with uh, winifred and then the um the scene in the forest as well there's a little bit of that like you know he's just uncomfortable because yeah. he knows he's doing something wrong and he just wants to get away because he's not brave enough to give up the belt but he's mm-hmm. also recognizes that he is doing something wrong here and just you know wants to move on yeah um and then so he does <laughs> yeah and then he he heads out to the green knight and um you know he has an argument with the fox here right as as he's on his way um so now can you can you speak to it just I in terms don't of what remember right, yeah like he has this argument with yeah. the fox and loses that i guess the important thing is that he loses that comfort and that the camaraderie, trust, right? Yeah. And the trust yeah. there. Uh, and he goes in to see the Green Knight continue, and he's still wearing He's completely the belt. alone. Like, yeah. he's, 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 you know, he's um, pushed away the, you know, the lady and the lord, like, pushed away the fox. Like, he is completely alone when he walks in there, mm-hmm. except for the belt. Mm-hmm. Except for the belt. Yep. Uh, and so he goes in to see the Green Knight, and he tries. Yeah, the Green Knight, you know, it was supposed to be, again, an equal exchange here of, like, one for one. Like, you yep. did this, like, you come here and then we can we can part, you know, in whatever way. But you're supposed to have an equal exchange. I got my head cut off. Now you're here. Yeah. Now it's your turn. And <laughs> Gowan tries. He mm-hmm. bows his head. He, and he flinches. And he flinches, he flinches the first time. Which is in the poem, I believe, right? Yes. Yes, he does. Yeah, he flinches that whole the first scene. time. And the Green Knight laughs at him. 
And Gowan says, okay, fine. I will actually do it this time. And he prepares and he does it. And that is again where like the movie diverges. Yeah. So this is a very, very big point for the movie, which is Gowan runs away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He runs away. He goes home and we watch, like you were saying, like a 10 minute sequence of what his life will be basically with no dialogue. We're just Mm -hmm. watching the images of Gowan become king, of having a bastard child that he loves, but paying uh, Essel off. Of getting married to another queen, of like going Who to looks war. exactly like Winifred. Yep. Uh, he goes through all. Wait, no, 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 no. It's not the I same actress. She was. I thought it was the same no, actress. For some not the reason. same oh, actress. The bright red hair and everything. I thought it was the same actress, Mm-mm. just wearing makeup. Oh, it was a different actress. Okay. Not the same actress. Um, but so he has this whole experience, and we watch him become king. We watch him become king of a war-torn land of Mm -hmm. these choices he's making and no one ever looks happy and he he suffers he never looks happy he loses his son he He just looks so miserable he looks miserable even morgan lefay his mother is with him through the entire thing standing stately next to him but never kind of looking any happier than anyone else right like there's no success here and the end of that, he just looks around. He's like, I think he's, if I remember, he's on his horse in his court and he's just like, or his courtyard of his, he's just like, look around. He's like, what, what is this? Yeah. And then mm-hmm. he sits on his throne by himself as people are running because his kingdom is being ravaged by enemies yeah. and his, his castle is being, has been breached and his wife is leaving with their daughter and, and everybody is leaving. And he, <laughs> he kind of sitting there waiting uh and then his head falls off yep yep and then we're back with the green knight mm-hmm. and this is the moment where gowan makes the choice and he you know the green knight draws his thumb across his neck and is like okay let's get to it and then gowan like kind of you the 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 shot like settles on his face and he has the resolve and he says yes and then it cuts to black Wait, yep. no, doesn't he right? like say wait, wait and pull off the belt? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He takes the yes, belt. He pulls off the belt. He says, he wait, wait, and he off pulls the off the belt and so then he's vulnerable. So he's vulnerable. That's it. And then that's yep. it. That's it, all before that's the end we, of the movie. we don't see the chop. We don't see it's and you know, they asked I think Vanity Fair asked David Lowry about that moment, and it came down to like the actual action doesn't matter. It's Gowan's choice that matters. Yeah. And that's what makes him a knight and what makes him a hero is that acceptance. Mm-hmm whether or not the chop actually happens. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then there's a post credit scene. There's a post credit scene. Yeah. The very end, which is a child playing with the crown of Camelot. Presumably his, I thought it was his daughter. Yeah, and so that's, his, there's, it's supposed to be his daughter, apparently. Which okay. implies that he survives the cut. Because in the poem, right, he just gets a nick Yeah, the poem in the poem he does not take off the belt Mm -hmm. and the green knight basically brings the axe down and stops it like right after giving him a tiny little cut on the back of his neck and that's when the green knight reveals himself a as bertilac the lord and b as morgan lefay's sort of co-conspirator in this whole thing and he says, well, the whole thing was a test. You kind of failed, but also that's okay. Why don't you come back to the castle and we can have a nice yep. uh, orgy in my room? 
Um, and Gowan goes on this giant rant about how women are awful. Like it's this awful misogynist rant that he just comes kind of out of Ew. nowhere. Um, yeah, it's it it really is kind what? of uh, it does not no, fit the tone you. of the rest of the poem. Like he's just like, oh my gosh, all these women, why are they tormenting me and all that? And Bertilak's like, dude, there's nothing wrong. Just come back and let's have fun, and then you can go back to Camelot and tell everyone what a fun, what a great time you had. Um, but Gowan says, no, I'm not going to. And he like salts and he may, and he forces himself to wear the green girdle, like as this garter. Um, and he claims it as the mark of his shame. And he goes trudging back to Camelot and he tells all Ugh. the knights this story. Um, and all the other knights are like, that's a great adventure. Why are you not happy about this? Um, and Gowan and the poem kind of ends on this ambiguous note where Gowan is very ashamed of everything he's done but none of the knights in Camelot seem to get this. They're all like, hey, Gowan, it's great to have you back. Look at all this fun you've had. Um, and then at the very end of the poem, it's, it pulls back uh, almost like a wide angle shot of Camelot. And they're like, and then like the, and now the green girdle is the symbol of the order of the garter. And isn't that great? It's a very what? strange poem. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. That is how the poem ends. It's uh, it All ends right, well, on I this prefer... really kind of I think I prefer weird, this ambiguous. Note. Yeah, I mm-hmm. feels like the movie had a better ending. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's hard to say. Like I like some things about the book. I, I like some things about the poem ending, at least in part because in the poem you don't know until the final until the very final section that Morgan Le Fay was behind the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like she's not even introduced until the like the maybe the penultimate verse of the poem or something like that oh by the way it was morgan the whole time um so that i kind of love just because it's so very silly but um but yeah it's the the ending of the poem would not have worked very well no as a film. doesn't it sound not it. Have, it, it, <laughs> none nobody would have understood it and everyone would have been like what why this this is dumb so yeah i i i liked the sort of fantasy sequence where we saw what might have happened if you mm-hmm. run away and all like I love that stuff I thought that was really interesting I have not 100% decided how I feel about them cutting it right where they did I thought thematically it worked really well um but also I'm just like hmm, I don't know I have to think about <laughs> it more yeah I think it works well as a piece of art as a piece of entertainment I'm not sure I, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I really liked it a lot, and I think it's a film that you'll find new things mm-hmm. with through Absolutely. repeated viewings, which is really yes. nice. Um, like I said, it did visually, I thought, was striking. Like, it's just such a beautiful movie. Oh, and the, we didn't talk about the sound, but the sound oh is very gosh. interesting because oh, it's such a quiet yeah. film. It's such yeah. a, like... Like I'm, I'm so frustrated. I couldn't see this on the big screen. Like I watched it at home, and it, it would have been such a beautiful cinematic experience. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. With yeah, how, I am sad I haven't gotten uh, to watch it on the big screen. It's just like such, that sound is so interesting. It was just so quiet and such a for for what is you think of as like this adventure story of like knights and and fights and and all of these things and it's just such a it's not slow i'm it's smooth it's It's like smooth and quiet right like Mm -hmm. there's something about it that was just so appealing yeah just from that not even from the writing not even from that but just from the like experiential piece of it 
I agree. It's so stylized and ever like visually oh, <clears throat> the audio, like it was so stylized and it was in such a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. I thought in that aspect, actually, the fact that it was so stylized and the fact that it was so slow and deliberate, like not slow in a bad way, but deliberate, I think is the right mm-hmm. word. Um, in that way, I thought it was actually a beautiful adaptation of the poem because the poem is also very slow, very deliberate. In the end, you're also not really sure why you were there in the first place, but right. you were, but uh, you look back and you go, okay, I, I, I guess this is a thing. All right. Um, but it does come very much full circle. And I thought that it, uh, I thought the film did a good job of, uh, of kind of rendering that. I thought that a lot of the paratextual stuff and the stylized stuff was really fantastic. I wish there had been more actual green in it, though. Like, <laughs> I feel like the green knight this was not fair, quite green yeah. enough. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think that's fair. Green. Yeah. <laughs> fair, fair assessment. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's kind of our discussion yeah. on the Green Knight. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall, I think we all kind of enjoyed it. Um, Kavisa, yeah. do you want to let people know where they can find you and, and what you've got going on? Oh, well, uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm there at KVM Finn. Um, and I'm also a lot of my publications and stuff can be found on kvmfinnwordpress.com. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's really about mostly where I am, uh, these days. And, um, yeah, like I, I have, uh, I've written a bunch of, uh, academic work on historical fiction, on popular medievalism. Um, I used to do a lot of work on Game of Thrones, somewhat less so now. Um, but we'll see what happens when this new HBO series shows up hmm. again. Oh my God. Um, that's, that's a whole separate kettle of fish. Um, but as far as Arthurian stuff goes, I actually have a, uh, an article coming out on Sir Palamides in, uh, Thomas Mallory that will be coming out okay. in the journal Arthuriana later this year. So awesome. that should be, uh, that should be interesting. See how that comes out. But, uh, right. that's, he's my favorite. He's probably my favorite round table night if I had to pick one is Sir Palamides. I was like, I don't think I have any frame of reference for Same. Sir Palamides. So I've read Mallory, oh, but it's been he's a wonderful. While. He is uh he's a Muslim knight. Oh yeah. Well I he wish is. I now I wish now I need to yeah, read more about Sir Palamides. Is, uh he's imported from the prose Tristan. Um and okay. he basically exists um I mean Arguably, initially, he exists to be a riot. He exists to be the third wheel for Tristan and Isolde, um, but eventually, he ends up kind of getting his own kind of character arc. And one of the things that I write about, because I find it, I find, I, I think he's a wonderful character, but I also find it deeply frustrating the way that the narrative treats him, um, because obviously, say, 13th, 14th, 15th century narrative not going to be nice to a Muslim knight. Um, so they, the, he is fighting against the narrative the whole time. Um, and I at least find that to be really compelling from, uh, from a reader standpoint. So, um, I would say if you want to find a couple of interesting takes on him, like T.H. White talks about him, but he does something very different with him in The Once and Future King. Um, but Thomas Mallory is probably the one who does the most stuff with him. Um, and that's what I ended up writing about. All right. Well, that is very good to know. And I think we are taking notes. Um, (laughs) Thank you so much for talking to us about the Green Knight. We really appreciate you being here to like, thank you for having a lot of context, providing a lot of (laughs) necessary context that my, you know, 
high school <gasps> reading of the poem. I know, right? It does not. <laughs> Well, it's a wonderful poem, and the the translation by Simon Armitage is really, really good. So uh, for anyone who wants to read the original, I highly recommend that one. And my favorite part about it is that it's an edition that has the Armitage modern English on one side and the middle English on the other. So oh, if cool. you actually want to try the middle English, it's right there. Yeah, um, I have that version. And I, yeah, I read the Burton Raffle in high school I was not as good yep. but the, I mean it's fine I'm sure it was, it was great but the, yeah. I didn't enjoy the Armitage more the Armitage is better the Armitage <laughs> is better like that's that's generally considered to be the best one right now like even better than Tolkien nothing nothing against Tolkien but he was doing his own thing all right well thank you so much for joining mm-hmm. us for this thank you for having me I am a huge fan of this podcast so thank you <laughs> Okay, so that is our discussion of the Green Knight. And now let's talk about what we're doing. Preeti, what yeah. are you doing? So next week, actually, uh, the anthology I'm in, Battle of the Bands, comes out. It's super exciting, edited by Eric Smith and Lauren Gabaldi. Um, it's basically all these interconnected stories that take place on the night of a Battle of the Bands. And my story is, of course, about the kids selling merch. Because they're like, no, this is... I was going to be like, because you wanted to name it Merch to Do About Nothing. Because I wanted to name it Merch to Do About Nothing. And also because I was that kid. Like, anytime I, I like love going to shows, totally. But whenever I was going to support my friends, I'd be like, let me sell merch. I'm happy to sit back in the back and sell merch for you. <laughs> yeah, and then read a book. <laughs> like, yeah, 100%. Um, then Avengers Assembly number three, Exchange Students 101, comes out in January. So that's available for pre-order. And then um, lastly, tying into the discussion we just had, I had a piece go up, my first piece for Elle magazine go up um, called Finally a Seat at the Table. And it's all about kind of inclusive Arthurian legends, getting to write it, seeing Dave Patel in the Green Knight. Um, It's a really like it was a somewhat difficult piece to write, but I think it came out well. Um, So we will link to that. Thank you. Uh, Sonia, what what are you doing? Um, I am still on on promo in in Swordstone Table promo mode. Um, We don't have any more events on the calendar as of right now, I think. Um, Oh, there is one event that (laughs) I need to talk to our publicist about because because I don't know. I don't know that they've confirmed it with her, but they've confirmed it with you. Yeah, September 17th, I think, uh, doing an Arthurian sort of... um, retelling panel with ek johnston uh kirsten white kirsten white yeah and that's oh, it. i should have looked is this it? up no i think there is one more person if i'm because they sent a graphic over like those are the two people in conversation but i think they added someone onto the thing okay okay and didn't tell me but i vaguely remember the graphic having four four pictures instead of three but either way it's september either 17th way, we'll uh we'll we'll be tweeting about it a lot in the weeks coming up to that mm-hmm. um and then of course i've got my wired column which has been like making the rounds the last few um yeah few with the last few installments so uh, it's been doing really well um so yeah if you want to hear me rant about video games um over there i reviewed star trek lower decks for new scientist um and uh i'm doing some space reporting for insider um and that's been interesting because I haven't, I'm kind of like, you know, flexing my reporting muscles. It's been a while since I've uh, done that. So that's been fun. So I think my first article should go up like this week. Um, so that's been interesting. 
we will link to everything in the show notes as yes. per usual. But keep an eye out for Slepna's first article uh, probably on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and then what are you into? Okay. So started playing Ghost of Tsushima finally because the director's cut came out. Because yeah. I was like, I'll just, since it's coming out so soon, I'll just wait. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. I am, I've played. Beautiful. It's so beautiful. It's so big. It's very like, we'll talk a little bit more about this when you talk about what you're into, but it definitely has Witcher 3 vibes in the sense of like, yes. it's a really big land. You have all these quests. You have this mainline storyline that's going on. I will say, I got to a plot point last night in the game that I feel so betrayed by, but in the, oh, like, I not know in like, plot point you know is. what it is, yes. and I'm so upset about it. Yes, I was really <laughs> upset about that. I just didn't um, see it coming. I didn't see it coming. I'm like so sad about it. I'm going to be sad about it for a while, but we'll see where it goes. Um, I'm 15 hours into the game, I think, maybe 16, and I've just, I'm probably like maybe 15% into it. It's so good. Um, And then what else am I doing? I'm rewatching Legends of Tomorrow with my sister who's never seen it, and I just forgot like how much fun this show is. Like it's, I think, the most fun superhero show on TV. I think it is the most like it's it's like the the like nice sister of Doom Patrol. Mm-hmm. Like Doom Patrol is like also kind of off the wall, but both writers' rooms I think recognize like let's just do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. Like convention be damned, like ratings be damned. Like let's just do whatever we want, what the story dictates, and the most like bananas way possible. So you just love these characters deeply they make terrible decisions but you are rooting for them constantly it's so good um and then i want to shout out reservation dogs on hulu for fx which is kind of this like comedy it's it's a comedy but it's also got a lot of heart to it about these indigenous kids uh and kind of living their lives and it's so smart it's produced i believe by taiko itt Um, And they have a ton of indigenous people behind the camera as well as in front of the camera. It's 100% worth checking out. The writing is so smart and it really is like so, 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 so funny. Like if you feel it's and it's like 20 to 30 minute episodes. So like if you just have like a short amount of time, feel like picking something up, like highly recommend Reservation Dogs. Um, And yeah, that's about it. Um, as Preeti mentioned, one of the main thing I'm into right now is I'm finally playing Witcher 3, uh, mostly yes. based on Preeti's recommendation. And I yeah. do actually agree. It reminds, it's actually making me, because I, I played about 15 hours of Ghosts of Tsushima and then jumped on, moved on to something else, not because it wasn't amazing, but because writing a video game column, sometimes you kind of just yep. have to move on <laughs> to the next thing to be able to have something to write about. So, um, I, and it's really making me want to go back because they do have the same vibe they do have very similar vibes and i'm really enjoying witcher 3 um despite the column that's going to go up next week in which i or this week at wired in which i bitch about having to grind so early in the game <laughs> which i also bitched about via text to Preeti. but honestly that is not like that's just me like like <laughs> that's that's how the column is like i i have to find something to complain about or to like rant about because Gotta, gotta write about something that's what it is but and it is it, that what that, that aspect of it was a little bit fr- was definitely frustrating but overall the game is really really good um so uh i it's just it's really good like it's so big i really love the character of Geralt. like he's fantastic i love Geralt so much i don't know who does his voice acting but it is so good oh so good just very deadpan very like it's 
very good. Um, and I was a little bit worried about getting dropped into a game, the third game in a series without having played the first two. But I've seen, if you've watched the first season of the show, like you really don't, like the characters are the same, Siri, Yennefer, and mm-hmm. uh, Geralt. So like, I, I don't really, and if, if you haven't watched the show, there's probably a little more of a learning curve, but I, it's not, I don't know. I, I highly recommend it. I think it's fantastic. Um, I'm nearing the end of my DS9 rewatch, which makes me sad, but also the show's <laughs> so, it's such a, it's just such a good show. Um, Deep Space Nine is great, but I think that's why, uh, that's why I mentioned before I'm going to start a next gen rewatch because I was trying to think of what to do next. And that's what I decided because it's been, I mean, it's been probably a decade since I've watched the show beginning to end. So I think it's high time. Um, and then I read the book, my Sweet Girl by Amanda J. Atisa. It comes out in uh, September 14th. It is a psychological thriller uh, written by a Sri Lankan uh, American woman who uh, is the, the narrative flashes back between her, um, uh, this Sri Lankan American woman, her um, present day in San Francisco and her childhood at an orphanage in Sri Lanka. And it's like thrillers, especially psychological thrillers is a genre that's still very white. It's very hard to mm-hmm. find um, any diversity, like any, you know, in it. And it's just starting to, I feel like this year really, really stuff. We're starting to get really good books by, um, and not that they don't exist, but it's just, it's hard. If you, if right. you read primarily in that genre, it's just, it's very hard to, so anyway, this is a fantastic book. I will hopefully be reviewing it at an outlet, but I, I'm assigned the review, but stuff always comes up. You never know, so I don't like to, you know, count my chickens before they before they're hatched. hatched. <laughs> I was about to say count my chickens before they roost, and I was like, I was like that's not that's right. not right. <laughs> so anyway, but keep an eye out for that. But I also just recommend the book generally. Uh, okay, we are part of the Hard Knock Life Podcast Network. You can find all the podcasts in the Hard Knock Media family at hardknockmedia.com. That's Hard Knock Media. N-O-C, like nerds of color. And weren't um, you just, didn't you just guest on a... Oh, I did. We did a, uh, re- like, re- I've never done one of these, but it's like a YouTube reaction to the, the Spider-Man trailer. Oh, okay. Um, we'll link to it. It's really yes. fun. It's, uh, it's a good time of just, like, take, like, our conversation at the top of this episode and expand it into an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and thank you to our Patreon subscribers, Meredith at the $12 level and Amber, Jordan, Annie, Brandy, Claire, Brian, Robert, Chris, the Knott family, Priya, Keshav, and Kavita at the $5 level. Um, you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash they see geek girls. Um, and you can find us on Twitter at they see geek girls. Uh, you can find me on Twitter in basically everything at run with skizzers. That's S K I Z Z E R S. And I am at S Krishna. And until next time, we will we'll see, you. see you in, in hell! hell. <laughs>